Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Praise God. Praise God. So honored to be here in your midst and so honored to serve again uh, to be able to preach the word of God. We are continuing in this series called Pillars, and we've come upon a pillar that really helps us to think about the kind of culture we live in. Peter Stearns would talk about this culture. He says, consumerism describes a society in which many people formulate their goals in life partly through acquiring goods that they clearly do not need for substance or for traditional display. They become enmeshed in the process of acquisition, shopping and taking some of their identity from a possession of new items that they buy and exhibit. It is with a consumeristic society that you have a byproduct that we tend to focus on what we lack or on what other people have and do not have. In this third pillar in our pillar series, we are going to address this problem that speaks to our consumeristic culture as we are asking God to call us to be pillars in our church and pillars in our community, pillars in our neighborhood and pillars in our family. A pillar is the type of person that can hold people up while standing on their own. This pillar is the pillar of gratitude. We've talked about being prayerful and biblical, and now the third one is grateful. Doctors Randy and Lori Sansone define uh, their psychologists and they define gratitude this way. They say it is the appreciation of what is valuable and meaningful to oneself and represents a general state of thankfulness and or appreciation. Although consumerism would cause us to always feel like we are in lack, gratitude is the feeling of appreciation, but not just an appreciation uh, of what could be, but rather of what you already have. Consumerism says you need more. Consumerism says you have to have more. And consumerism says not only don't you have enough, but you aren't enough. Whereas gratitude says, look at all you have. Gratitude, gratitude says, look at who you have. Gratitude says, look at who you are. And gratitude also says, look at who you're not. Gratitude is ingrained in our culture far too often as merely being etiquette. Children can be taught to say thank you, but parents know good and well they don't mean it. We force them to say thank you. We almost punk them into thankfulness, right? But even as adults, we learn that sometimes saying gracious words is best for a means of receptivity, not necessarily we're deeply thankful in our hearts. That means there's a difference between saying thank you and being thankful, the reality is that you have to have a moment of pause, a holy pause, a moment of holy reflection. Mr. Rogers, an American television host, many of you know him uh, through Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, but his name is Fred Rogers. And Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood ran from 1968 to 2001. Fred Rogers 
accepted the Lifetime Achievement Award at the 24th Annual Daytime Emmy Awards. He said in his acceptance speech, so many people have helped me come to this night and all of us have been loved into our being. And then he did something I think that we can do just for a second. He said, but while I accept this speech, let's take 10 seconds to think of all the people that helped you get to where you are. And then he said, I'll time it. As Mr. Rogers spoke, people began to cry. As Mr. Rogers spoke, people couldn't even look at him as he was speaking. Mr. Rogers forced them to pause. As they came into the Emmy Awards with their best dress, keeping up with the Joneses, thinking about all the people they were going to sit next to, he says, listen, I know some of you are here expecting an award and you're trying to look your best and keep up with the brightest, but can you pause and think about the people that got you here? Mr. Rogers forced them to pause, to consider, to reflect. Much of gratitude is in great reflection. Gratitude isn't a matter of having things. It's rather seeing the value in what you already have. And you cannot see what you have when you are focused on what you don't have and what other people have. Jesus wanted to teach this powerful lesson while he was on his journey. In Luke chapter 17, meet me there. If you have your Bible, we'll have it on the screen. In Luke chapter 17, verse 11, it states this way. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Now, for months, Jesus has been crisscrossing Israel, and he's been building this reputation for his compassion and his mercy, and he's been healing, and he's been doing incredible things. And one of the things that we see is that in Luke chapter 5, this is Luke 17, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus heals leprosy. Now, in Luke 17, he's going to heal leprosy again. One of the things that we have to understand about the authors of the New Testament is that they are not just trying to build Jesus' resume per what he can heal. But what they are doing is they're showing certain miracles so that we can understand key lessons from the miracle. John would state in the book of John that there's too many miracles to even fill books. So in reality, there's a lesson Jesus wanted us to learn from this healing. And so we learn in Luke 17 verses 12 through 14, he enters a village, an unnamed village, but he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Lepers were culturally isolated people. Some of it was for health concerns, but much of it was also built into the law. You see, the law 
the first five books of the Bible aren't just built out of an understanding of who God is, but it is also practices sociologically. This health concern was built into the law. Numbers 5 says, command those who are lepers to be sent away outside of the camp. This is being done because leprosy was essentially a junk drawer term. Leprosy also included lupus and psoriasis, ringworms and favis, Hansen's disease. Oftentimes, lepers had all these boils that would be over their body. It would affect your nervous systems. Oftentimes, some limbs would fall off. The key was it was contagious. And so the nature of isolating them was based upon not drawing any contagion in their community. In essence, they were being quarantined. It is in light of this that in Leviticus 13, 45, it says, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, leave their hair unkept, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. Tear your clothes so that we can see from a distance your skin is not right. Leave your hair disheveled so you can be noticeable and then cover the lower part of your lip like this. Wear a face mask. And then only wear it for this one purpose. When you come around, say, unclean, unclean. Imagine the shame. Imagine the loneliness. Having to be isolated in community, having to live outside of the camp. These 10 lepers are together because they're all they have. They have one another and they've been together alone and isolated. Much of their concern is that they don't want to even come into the community. There isn't necessarily a law that said they could never come into community, but if they did, they'd have to yell, unclean, unclean. Maybe part of it wasn't just that they didn't miss their mother and didn't miss community. They just didn't want to feel the shame of being around clean people. You know, some of you, although quarantine has been tough, some of you are glad church is over because when you walk in here, you feel that we might have felt you feel that way. That maybe we brought shame onto you. Our church is in need of healing and growth like anyone because oftentimes people can feel the degradation of other people who are just trying to live right. And yet, sometimes we cast people into judgment. But it is in here that they remain with those that are unclean. And so, because they have been living this life, they've heard about the reputation of Jesus. So, they go to the village because they know Jesus is going to be there. And it says, they lifted up their voices. But in verse 14, it says, he saw them. It didn't say he heard them. Most likely, their voices were so feeble, their larynx was crushed, and they were unable to have a voice that had any clarity. Jesus saw them. Jesus saw the torn clothes. He saw the disheveled hair. He probably barely heard their voice. And yet, Jesus says to them, go to the priest. While they are on their way to the priest, they are cleansed. Understand that Leviticus chapters 13 and 14 help us understand this priestly examination. 
Imagine, if you would, for a second, that you've been having to live outside the camp for all this time, that you have these disease, and then all of a sudden Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. Now understand, you wouldn't go show yourself to the priest if you weren't healed already. So there is a step of faith that they're taking, even going towards the priest in the first place. But the amazing thing that happens is that they start moving towards them and this cleanliness happens. Showing yourself to the priest wasn't a quick thing at all. (laughs) As I was studying it, I was amazed because I now understand the urgency within the lepers. Once you show yourself to the priest, the priest would have to go with you outside of the camp to examine your body. Once you show yourself to the priest, the priest would then examine you and then he'd have to go give a sacrifice back at the temple if he considered you clean. Once you show yourself to the priest and he examines you, then you have to wash your clothes and then you have to shave all the hair off your body. Once you show yourself to the priest, you do all that, he does another sacrifice, declares you clean and then you have to live seven days outside of your tent. This was an eight-day process. On the eighth day, he would offer up two lambs in sacrifice. And then finally, you would be designated as clean. Now imagine the excitement. Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. And they've seen, most likely, and heard about this ceremony, so they know, we got to get started. This thing's going to take a week. I'm going to see my mama and my daddy and my cousins and my friends. I can't wait. I'm so excited and I get to be around the people of God again. An amazing thing happens, they're cleansed on their way to the priest. The word in Greek there essentially means that they were fully cleansed. It means that there was nothing left. The healing that they experienced was full. The healing that they had meant there was no leprosy left. Yes, this examination was going to be powerful. But then one of them did something the other nine didn't. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Man. Now, nine lepers decided that they wanted to keep going to the ceremony, but only one went back to Jesus. One couldn't understand how I could run on my way to this religious ceremony while forsaking the one that gave me my healing. Let me just say this. These people were so energized to be around the people of God that they forsook God himself. Understand that I I can't stand quarantine at all, but your quarantine worship routine is exposing some of you. The fact that God is only available to you in community, but you don't have private Jesus means that you're being exposed for not having an authentic gratefulness for what he's already done. 
Some of us are grateful only when the band is really popping. Some of us are grateful when the analogy really hits home. Some of us are grateful when the temperature is just right. Some of us are grateful when every, all the lights and the camera in action. See, some of us need Disney World for Christ to be grateful, but some of us are grateful for Jesus himself. And it is them, it is them, it is those. Listen, only 10% of them wanted Jesus. The other 90% wanted the ceremony understand there's something about trying to keep up with people that will make you leave Jesus. What is this grateful leper doing? What's different about him? This is what we have to examine, church. Because we don't want to be like the ones who ran to be with the people and left Jesus. I want to be in the 10%. I want to be the one who's private with Jesus. What's the text say? We don't know. But it says, then one of them saw that he was healed. Now, do you think the other nine didn't see that they were healed? Of course they did. That's what made them pursue the ceremony more. But I believe that the weightiness of those words are the word saw. There's a blindness that these other nine had. There's a sight that the one had. He saw, he perceived, he reflected upon, he considered, he looked at himself. He took inventory over his legs. He took inventory over his body. He considered his larynx and his throat. He thought about his face and his eyes. And he remembered when he could barely lift his voice to Jesus. He remembered when he stood far off. So what did he do? He remembered when he had a small voice, so he shouted with a loud voice. He remembered when he had to stand far off, so he got right close to the feet of Jesus. It is in this remembrance and in this reflection, it is in this inventory, it is in this holy pause that he has to see himself, to see all that he has, that he could see Jesus's worth. They all saw Jesus, but only one thought of him, listen, worthy of praise. Valuable. You've gotten, there are things in your house that two months ago you gave great value, then you got used to it. You see it, but you don't see its value anymore. Some of you are married and you made promises 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago. You remember, you see your spouse, but you've forgotten their value. There's something about reflection, introspection, depth of understanding, looking at what you have. Some of us have Jesus, but don't see him. This is what the grateful leper does. He gives inventory. And there's something else that we have to keep in mind, that this leper is a Samaritan. We understand that Jesus was in his journey in between Samaria and Galilee. And this is a Samaritan. A Samaritan is essentially a religious defection. They're racial half-breeds. And the Samaritans didn't like Jews either. This is the shocking reality 
that the Samaritan who was not used to the religious ceremony had a greater appreciation for God. I want to say two things. There are some of you that started to catch on to our church because you were quarantined and you figured you'd watch a video for church and God started speaking to you. And then when we opened back up, you're concerned because you're not used to being in church. Let me tell you, some of the people who have been outside of the church have a greater appreciation for Jesus than people inside of the church because you haven't gotten used to the religious sanctimony. You're not used to saying all the right things. You're not around all the right people. I knew a guy once who said, man, and he does prison ministry. And I said, why do you do prison ministry? He says, because I did ministry in the suburbs for years. And I would preach and they'd barely say anything. He says, when I go and do prison ministry, when I talk to people that have been addicted, when I talk to people who have been broken, when I talk to them, I'm gonna tell you, they praise God, they shout. I open up my Bible and people begin to cry because when you, when you talk to people who have nothing but Jesus, there's something about their praise that's something different. And people who have everything have Jesus plus. I love worshiping with people who have Jesus alone. There's something different about those people. And so he says, I'll take prison ministry over suburban ministry any day. Some of you've got Jesus plus. And you need to start having Jesus alone. Your worship will change when you consider the worth of Jesus alone, that he's good alone, that he is enough, that I have enough. Imagine if Jesus was enough. Jesus alone. I'm grateful for Jesus. <laughs> I'm grateful for Jesus. Just Jesus. Jesus is enough. This minister understood this, that there is this great difference. But we realize that in this inventory of this leper, in verse 17, Jesus notices, <laughs> Jesus notices. And Jesus here says something that should cause us to pause. Jesus, in verse 17, says, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I want to look at verse 19 for a second. In verse 19, many of our translations, as mine says, your faith has made you well. And that is true, but the reality is that he made everyone well. He healed everyone there. But the fact of the matter is, is that the word here for made well is the same word for salvation. That in reality, he's saying that the one who he spoke to is the one that was saved. What it helps us understand is the one. The one was the one who had saving faith. The one is the one that had the greatest appreciation of who Jesus was. And the nine 
were just healed, but they weren't whole. What this pictures here is a holistic salvation that Jesus creates, that he wants us to be healed internally and externally. Now, one thing we have to say for some of our brothers and sisters to know, Jesus healed nine ungrateful people and healed them knowing they'd be ungrateful. Jesus healed nine people just because he's in the healing business, amen? I mean, I just, we just need to pause and reflect on this. Jesus used nine ungrateful people as an illustration, knew he would do it, but healed them anyhow. We have to reorientate ourselves with the ministry of Jesus. Jesus healed people because he's a healer. In other words, he didn't heal you because you got to get saved. He healed you because he's a healer. That means that we should, if we're going to talk about Jesus, we cannot be just evangelical and just try to get people saved. We got to start getting people healed because Jesus is not just savior. He's also healer and he's cool with ungrateful healings. Because 90% of this healing was ungrateful. 90%. You can have a 90%. You can bless 90% of this city, and if they don't get saved, he's still to be praised. You can do 90% of the work and see people have a greater appreciation of Jesus and still not get saved, and he's still glorified because he's glorified, 100% glorified, even though they're 90% ungrateful. But here, we have a bit of a warning. Oh, church, it's a warning. Jesus warns us. Did you notice Jesus' response in the text? Did you notice it? The man gets totally prostrate before Jesus. The man gets face to the ground to his feet. The man is glorifying God. And do you know what Jesus didn't do? Jesus didn't go, oh, stop. <laughs> what are you doing? Stop it. Oh my God, get up. You don't have to do that thing. I do this all the time. I just did this a few chapters ago, right? Or you know what Jesus didn't, you know what Jesus didn't do? Jesus didn't say thank you. The man is down at the feet and he doesn't go, thank, th th you know, thank you so much. <laughs> People don't know a good miracle these days. You know what I'm saying? No, he doesn't even do that. <laughs> do you know what Jesus's immediate response was? Two questions. This man is on the ground saying, oh, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you on his feet. And while he's on his feet, he goes, hey, weren't 10 cleansed? The guy's like, I don't, I'm just, I just, I could, I just started seeing like, right when you said, I don't know. Where are the nine? Two questions. This man is groveling at the feet of Jesus, and he has two questions. Where? I thought I did 10. Where are the nine? Be haunted by that. Where are the nine? Jesus is good 
at math. Jesus, master. Remember when their larynx couldn't even, Jesus, master. Jesus counted that prayer because Jesus remembered the prayer. Then he said, go, be cleansed. Jesus performed the miracle. Jesus says, I remember when you asked for mercy, I did the miracle, where's the man? Hold on, hold on. You asked for mercy, I remember that. I did the miracle, where's the man? Just like when Jesus performed that one miracle and he meant power went out of him, I believe that Jesus not only counts, understands, perceives all of our prayers, but he perceives when he blesses you but I also believe he perceives our ingratitude. Oh, forgive us, God. (laughs) We have run so busy to get the next thing. We forgot about the thing we already have. Oh, forgive us, Jesus. Where are the nine? Let that haunt you this week. I asked for this. He blessed me with it. Where's my praise for this? I asked for this family. I asked for this job. I asked for these friends. I asked you. I remember when I was lonely. Where is the praise? Jesus is fully aware of every request. He's fully aware of every miracle. And that means he's aware of every praise. Every time you woke up and you just got silent before God, and you said, I thank you, God. Oh God, I worship you this morning because you're good. He remembered that. Every day that you woke up with breath in your lungs and you said, God, that was from you. He remembers that. Begin to be a grateful person by taking inventory of what God has done for you. Taking inventory over all that you have. Because church, the nine that walked away were healed but still had a disease of the mind. I believe ingratitude is a disease of the mind. Ingratitude is a spiritual and psychological problem made evident in the fact that you are blind to the worth of the things you have. You are also caused to have amnesia on how you got it. Oh yes. If you are ungrateful, you need to have a holy pause. Give holy inventory. I wonder for those who are in the crowd, I wonder if you'd repeat after me. Say, God, open my eyes to what I have. Say, God, open my eyes to where I am. Say, God, open my eyes to who I am. And say, God, Open my eyes to who I'm not. Oh, help me remember, God, all that you've done. 
let me lastly say, not just in your gratitude for God, vertically, but people who are horizontally grateful. When you are a grateful person, oh, it strengthens people. When you not just saying thankful, thank you, but when you're thankful, when you tell people, this blessed me, when you tell people, you helped me, when you tell people, I remember, when you tell people, oh, you know you did that for me, when you tell people, you put that together, when you tell people, you strengthen them. Because it's hard, life is complex, and we forget the good things we've done. In a consumeristic society, we don't see enough, not only in the world, but also in ourselves. <laughs> when I pastored at church in um, North Carolina, The uh, pastor before me, his mom, was still a part of the church. Her name was Mrs. Rochelle. Little gray-haired lady. She always sat third row to the left. And I thought she was going to be my nemesis because her son had left with problems in the church. And I was the new pastor. I was 29. And I thought that she was going to be a problem for me. And I preached and I preached. And when I first started preaching, you know, I was doing my thing. And people were like, oh, you good, young man. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Appreciate that. But then I started, they liked me when I was a preacher, but boy, they didn't like me when I started leading. Amen. Hallelujah. And they didn't respond the same way. The crowd got real quiet. And I remember when the controversy was thick at my church, Mrs. Rochelle, boy, I was getting up there preaching and I was stuttering and I was losing track and I wasn't, did, nobody was with me. I was telling a joke. You ever tell a joke and no one responds? Whew, mighty powerful feeling. And you're just like, and you don't know what to do. But not Miss Rochelle. Oh, 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 James. Oh. Oh, amen, 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 amen. And I would go off stage and she'd always take my hand in her hand. And she'd say, good job. And look at me. She'd bring me in, look at me. She'd little woman, you keep preaching. You don't listen to these people. You keep preaching. You keep preaching. Every Sunday, you keep preaching, James. She probably talked to me for less than 60 seconds and it carried me. It carried me. Gratitude can carry the broken. It can carry the hurting. People don't know what they've done for you. You'll carry them. Some of you need to be more gracious because it will bring more healing to your life. Ingratitude is killing you. Ingratitude is causing so much anxiety. You, you are fixated on what you don't have. You're fixated on what people have and you are not fixated on what Jesus gave you. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we turn back to you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we turn back to you, God. Oh, we've been like the nine where we have run to the next thing to be with people. But Jesus, we, tonight, I want to be like the one. I want to see you. I want to be at your feet. Not just because I see you. You expect it. You expect gratitude. You expect praise. And so in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, I repent for all the ingratitude in my heart. God, when I wake up tomorrow, help me to see my environment differently. Help me to have a holy pause, reflection, and give inventory. Help me perceive what you have given me. Do this by your spirit. Do this by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.